Hello and welcome to the very first of many uh, of Priestess Mercury podcast, uh, where we'll be talking about astrology, tarot, uh, and the divine feminine, among many other things. Uh, my name is uh, Matt Treese. I'm with uh, In Transit Astrology. Uh, and joining me is uh, Michelle Bloom. Uh, Michelle, you want to go ahead and uh, give an introduction? Hi. Yeah, I'm Michelle, and I am a psychotherapist that blends astrology and tarot with my therapy work, and also a writer and artist, and pretty much the healing path is and has been my entire life, and blending that with creativity as well and creative expression. Yeah, same for me too. Like, I came up uh, as a poet. I've been doing that for uh, 20 plus years now, and uh, also a visual artist, uh, a scholar, and uh, among many other things, and now a, a recovering uh, a bureaucrat, thanks to uh, COVID, uh, <laughs> freeing me of my, uh, uh, my job so that I can focus on uh, building up uh, my astrology practice. So uh, this is kind of the first of many different kinds of forays into that, uh, into that realm. Uh, but uh, yeah, uh, so maybe we should start off talking a little bit about the, the name of the, uh, the podcast, what we were thinking of by it, uh, you know, what we want out of this, um, uh, out of this series. And uh, yeah, so uh, the Priestess Mercury, uh, Michelle, why don't you kind of uh, give your take on like what that means and then I'll jump in and we'll kind of get the ball rolling here. Well, riff, which is what we want this podcast to be. We want a riff. We want it to be free flow. And Matt and I both share a Mercury, Neptune, Sagittarius conjunction. So basically... Mercury is the communication, the mouth, the talking, the expressing. And Neptune is the spiritual goddess who we're calling the priestess. And when they're conjunct, that means right next to each other, always together, like best friends. Yeah, it's a blending of the qualities of those. Yes. And it's in Sagittarius, so it's you know one of the more spiritual signs of the zodiac there are a number of things that are there uh that pull us towards the cosmos there's the galactic center of the milky way uh, as well as the great attractor which is kind of this point of gravity among many different galaxies that the milky way is also a part of and so there's this pull towards the cosmic and the infinite uh and kind of source energy that uh, sagittarius represents so uh yeah. You know, we... Oh, sorry. May I add a little bit to that? Mm -hmm. Just that, yeah, Sagittarius is the wisdom and the wisdom of spirit. And also in the shadow, to mention the shadow side, which I'll always be doing because I love the shadow. Uh, but in the shadow that Sagittarius can also be black and white thinking, thinking that your way is the only way, thinking that you're right and that there's no other version of 
right. And when Sagittarius is in the light, that's when it's connected to the higher wisdom, the wisdom of spirit. Right. Yeah. And so when, when things are moving well, uh, they can uh, connect us to, uh, to the cosmos and to spirit. Uh, in a, oh, sorry. Keep interrupting you. That's <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah. So yeah, the Sagittarian energy can, can have that, but then I can also like that, like you were saying, Michelle, in the, uh, the flip side of it is what we see. I mean, a lot, what's going around a lot now, which is these kind of very uh, rigid kind of belief systems where the belief uh, is taken as the reality for everything. Uh, and it can What's that? Dogma. Dogma. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Dogma is the Sagittarius shadow. And, and before we go into the collective, back to our title, because it's so easy for us to tangent away because we have Mercury, Neptune conjunct and those energies blend. So Matt and I will go on and on and we love it. We'll have long talks forever about this stuff which is why we want to call the podcast Priestess Mercury. Yeah. Because it's the combination, that conjunction of just pontificating and endlessly communicating the wisdom of the stars uh, and tarot, really staying focused on always bringing it back to the stars, the language of the stars, the language of astrology, and Western astrology is where we're sticking to so many different types of astrology. And you got to really find the one that feels right to you if you're searching for that. Right. Yeah. A lot of the language that dominates astrology in the pop culture does come out of the Western strand. But astrology has been around for uh, a couple of millennia. Um, and it's uh, come out of any number of cultures. Um, a lot of what we're all practicing kind of has some roots in um, the, the Middle East and Mesopotamia. Uh, and, but there are strands that come out of, uh, of India and China uh, and other regions around the globe too. So it's not just, uh, yeah. It's not just one uh, type of practice. There are many kinds, and uh, but they all have some levels of resonance, even though the techniques and interpretations might vary a little bit. Uh, there, there is still a kind of overriding um, uh, ethic, I guess, that uh, the ideal is to be in line with the cosmos and not like butting against it, uh, but to, to try channeling and the, channeling the cosmos, that alignment, listening and tune with it coming from that perspective that we are all connected. Everything is connected. And, and that's Neptune. Neptune as the spiritual goddess, all is one. We are all connected. All things, all people, our souls connected to the body, our bodies connected to the earth. The earth is connected to the galaxy. The galaxy is connected to the universe. The universe connected to the multiverse. Like we are 
all one. So no matter the variety of types of astrology and then within Western astrology, there's endless types. I mean, as humans, we're always differentiating and making more and more variety, which is very Geminian and the collective talk. I'm, you know, anyway, I'm going to stop myself there and say that, okay. yes, like we're all connected. So it's just lining up. And, and that's the other thing is you can line up with a type of astrology, like Western or Vedic or Hellenistic within Western or so many. And then you can also have your own personal direct connection with the stars and feel your own messages and, and listen to your own messages and be in alignment that way. Yeah, I mean, ultimately, astrology is uh, a tool uh, that gets us uh, to value our own intuition, uh, our own connection to uh, whatever you want to call it, God, higher self, spirit, goddess. Yeah, it's there are there are lots of different manifestations. But basically, the idea is that it's uh, helping us to trust what's inside. So yeah, it's definitely, uh, I think both of us are of that mindset where it's like, uh, there are lots of technical applications of astrology and some of it can be very impressive uh, in terms of like how, like what we can uh, know and understand. But at the same time, it's not, uh, it should not supersede the inner voice. Um, right. We really, really want to promote that, that the inner voice is the, the core. And that's really the core of this podcast is Matt and Matt and I's inner voices having a free flow in the moment dialogue, channeling our own connection with the book knowledge that we have as a skeleton, as a backbone. Yet we really believe in that. And that's the Sagittarius part of us in that conjunction, I feel, that Neptune uh, blending with Mercury and Sag, that the wisdom of Sag says your own personal connection is the most important. Never put an outside authority before your own authority with anything transpersonal. Right. And, you know, on that same token, then we also want to show the same respect to other people uh, and granting them the ability to do that. And that's why the dogma part of uh, uh, being in the shadow of Sagittarius is the thing that we want to look at and recognize when it happens, but also ultimately to move away from is where we try to dictate what that reality is to other people um, uh, and to other groups. Yeah, Bat and I are both well aware of Sagittarius shadow living inside of our own psyches and can bring humor and awareness around it. And that's always a good thing to do is just notice the shadow side or let it come out and have some awareness and humor around it. And then it's okay. And then it doesn't turn to dogma. Right. Right. So, and, and then now I feel like might be a good point to talk about the moon's collective moon's nodes and Sag Gemini and how they're squaring Neptune and the coming lunar eclipse. Yeah, there's a reason this is coming up for us right now as we're starting this off is that, yeah, we've got uh, uh, the moon's nodes, which for those who are 
new to astrology uh, or even those who have been around, but, you know, you hear people talking about the North node or the South node. Uh, it's usually what people mean as the moon. And what that is, is the point uh, where the moon's orbit crosses the earth's orbit around the sun so that when you've got the moon there uh, and the sun, and the sun lines up with Earth, you wind up with the, the eclipses. Uh, whether the moon's on the, uh, the south side or the uh, declining side from Earth, which would be a lunar eclipse, which we're going to have one in just about a week. Uh, and on uh, the upper, the ascension end of it, the, what we call the north node, uh, where the moon will uh, uh, at this point would come into a, um, create a solar eclipse where it kind of cuts off the light of the sun. Yeah, and so uh, explaining just in a real simplistic way what the eclipses mean and what the moon means, that the moon represents our subconscious, our feelings, the soul's journey, past lives, future lives, the mother. And so when you just follow the cycles of the moon itself, you're following the full, like when the full moon, when the new moon comes, it's the new beginning, seeding the new beginning for the month, month to month, new moon to new moon, new beginning, new beginning, and creates a tapestry, a tail. And then every full moon, halfway, two weeks after the new moon every month, illuminates all that you need to see in your shadow or in life so that you can know what you need to release and let go of. And so it's like the second half of the new moon is a lot of release, lessons, letting go, banishing. And those first two weeks from the new moon to the full moon, those waning, waxing um, time is seed planting, the potential. What, what are your intentions? What do you want to grow? And that's the moon. And that's, you know, we'll go into another time, your moon sign and your chart. And then the eclipses come in and their long narratives, like the lunar eclipse is a lot about the full moon, lessons, letting go. Mm -hmm. The solar eclipse is more about what you need to initiate, what needs to start. So at lunar eclipses and the full moon, we see a lot of what we need to understand and learn and let go of in our feelings and our subconscious. And that this one is in Gemini. Right. Yeah. And it takes about, uh, they move through the polarities of the signs. And what we mean by that is, uh, so if you, you're familiar with the Zodiac, it's in a, it's not along a continuum so much as it is on a circle. Uh, and so uh, when you're at one point uh, on the Zodiac, you're, uh, you're uh, facing across the sky from another uh pointer sign in the zodiac so uh, gemini yeah gemini is across the sky from sagittarius uh, so right now the those points of eclipses are on that polarity of uh sagittarius and gemini and we can often think about the signs as uh being mirrors for each other when they're across the sky from each other. So Gemini reflects back something about uh, mind and belief that is more local, uh, that is uh, more uh, logical, 
uh, closer to Earth. And then Sagittarius is the global picture, the kind of zoom out. Uh, that And so those two kind of play against each other, the big picture and the small picture. Uh, yeah, that Gemini and Sagittarius represent poles of the mind. Yeah. The polarities of the mind, like a yin-yang symbol. Gemini being that local, logical, ego mind, passing along information, information for information's sake, honoring all the information, like here's a little bit of this, here's a little bit of that, doesn't go too deep, but spreads a very wide net. And then Sagittarius, the, the polarity opposite yin-yang end of that mind is the belief system the spiritual belief system, the higher wisdom, the, the global mind, the co you know, co cosmic mind. And so it's kind of like those, the polarities all around the wheel kind of have more of the human ego and then the more cosmic and transpersonal of whatever the polarity is. Gemini and Sagittarius, it's a mental polarity. And right now, those are the collective nodes. So we're all right now by collective nodes, we're all under the North node Gemini, South node Sagittarius, which is like the head and tail of the dragon. Yeah, to use the, and to borrow from the Indian astrology. Yeah, definitely. Uh, they call them, yeah, uh, the head and tail of the dragon the head and tail of the dragon. And it represents uh, the, no the nodes of the moon represent our soul journey. So the North node is always where the soul needs to evolve into or head into. Mm -hmm. And the South node is where the soul comes from. So when we, when we say the collective North node, that means the collective mind of humanity needs to learn Gemini and let go of some of the Sagittarius shadow. So learning that Gemini mind is like, you know, Gemini doesn't cling tightly. It's like it, it embraces a variety of thinking and all, like all paths lead to the same truth would be a mantra of Gemini. Right. So they like embrace the variety, lighten up. Don't be so deep and heavy about everything. Don't be so self-righteous and black and white about everything. And then Sagittarius in the shadow, when it's self-node, it's kind of more looking at the shadow, like mm -hmm. you need to release this. And that's us as a collective needing to release that my thinking is right, yours is wrong, the dogmatic thinking, the black and white thinking where there can't be any room for variety or and or, you know, or um, both and, sorry, that's what I mean to say. Right. And, you know, we see this play out with uh, kind of uh, where we're at right now with things like social media, uh, where you get a lot of conflict that arises from these disagreements between belief systems. Uh, and that Gemini, that need that we have for Gemini is to get down to uh, what are some agreeable, what are some things we can agree on? Um you know, where, where can we build things up from uh, instead of where can we take things down from, uh, which yeah. is kind of that Sagittarius uh, thing. Because right now the competing, there's competing senses of reality that we've got to be able to negotiate around uh, and come to some kind of 
a place where we can be in community together with other people. Yeah, I feel like the agreeing upon and being in community is definitely a tall order that we're working on. And Gemini kind of does start it off with, it kind of starts off with the, the mind, right? It's like, can I actually not think that this is the only way? Right. Could, and you know, you can see right now it playing out in America. And I just want to disclaim here that, you know, we're not talking about human rights when we bring this up. We're not right. talking, like all humans being equal is not a belief. It is, it just is. And anyone that doesn't understand that is suffering from psychopathology on some level. And that would be the realm of Pluto and power. It's a different area of the stars that has to do with power, not the mind. It, it might bubble up into the mind as a belief. Right. But we're not talking about that because we're not talking about accept the belief that not everyone is equal. No, that's not a belief. That's a exactly. psychology. So we're just talking about actual beliefs. Right. And that's that's part of that shadow side of Sagittarius in a way, too, uh, which is like thinking that my belief system overrides other people's belief systems. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That. Right. It's like how many people are arguing among those who feel all people are equal about the different versions of that. You know, mm -hmm. there's like the social justice warriors, the new age conspirators, the more central left-leaning pragmatists, you know, all these versions of, of, of a liberal heart, which in my mind is like, somebody that wants love and justice and liberty for all people. But how many versions of that and paths of that are there? And when you're in the Sagittarius South Node, you're like, if you don't think this way, you're out. And Gemini North Node would say, okay, let me be open and listen and know that there's many different lenses, many different beliefs and mindsets around liberty, around equality around taking down and restructuring toxic systems around human rights like there's many paths to the same truth that all people are equal and we should have governments that reflect that and culture that reflects that so you know gemini's asking us to not be so hard-nosed and rigid and and then kind of understanding too with the people that have hatred again pluto the people that have hatred for humans that are following any kind of leader that is rallying hatred that that is psychopathology not a belief right that that's a sickness yeah and i'm sure you know over the course of this podcast we'll come back to pluto quite a bit uh which is where we might think about that uh, particular energy because Pluto in mythology is like God of the underworld. Um, and so there are all kinds of themes about taking power over people uh, and, you know, holding people and bringing people down and trapping them in, uh, in, uh, in the underworld. And so we'll, We've got a major Pluto transit coming up. And tra by transit, we just mean that Pluto's always, I mean, Pluto's always moving, 
all the planets are moving uh, in space. And uh, Pluto is... I kind of want to stop you, Matt, because yeah. I feel like we're tangenting. We should stick with the... I, I want to bring us back because we haven't finished talking about the lunar eclipse, full moon Gemini, November 30th. Oh, okay. Yeah. I, I feel like, you know, again, we do this with our conjunction. We flout tangent out into... But just to like bring it back to to fully explain that on November 30th, we have that full moon in Gemini and the lunar eclipse Gemini. So the lunar eclipse intensifies, amplifies the full moon and creates a narrative that's like six months that, that goes into the next set of eclipses. It sets the stage. Mm-hmm. And so we it's really looking, right? The illumination, the full moon, looking into your own self, your own shadow, the shadow is what's hidden in you, what is hidden from the ego, to see where you might be holding on to beliefs that really rigidly having black and white thinking, thinking you're right and everyone else is wrong, looking at your own dogma and can you release that? And can you be more open-minded, more curious-minded lighten the mind still have you know your strong love that wants liberty and wants society to reflect liberty and for in your own personal life and in the work we're doing collectively yet to have a lightness in the mind that's not like you know an arrow in the heart if you don't think like i think right and turning the mind into dogmatic structures that's really what we're all being asked to do with this lunar eclipse in Gemini and in your own personal life, when you look in your chart and you see where Gemini is in your chart, then you can find out in what personal area of your life you need to do this with. Right. Cause then in uh, uh, the middle of May, we'll come back to a uh, solar eclipse uh, in Gemini that will kind of bring us full circle uh, to where we're starting something new. And so we need to let go of those beliefs that are uh, uh, dominating other people or uh, limiting ourselves even. Um, and we need to be able to learn to let go of those so that we can kind of start on uh, a kind of new paradigm or a new way of uh, thinking through the mind and the environment. Yeah, with the solar eclipse. And then on um, December 14th, is it? We have the lunar eclipse in... It, that'll be a solar, a solar eclipse. A solar eclipse, sorry. In Sagittarius, yeah. Right, so the polarity, right? So because it's going to be the solar eclipse, it's going to be the light side of Sagittarius initiating the light side of Sagittarius because solar and new moon is initiate, plant the seed, start the new... So that'll be about initiating that spiritual or the wisdom, the wisdom. And how great to initiate that wisdom after we've spent the, the two weeks between the lunar and the solar deconstructing our own dogma and our own rigidity, like a big poop, you know, it's like poop it out, <laughs> poop out the sad shadow as much as you can do a colonic, a sad shadow colonic, and then... When the solar eclipse comes, then it's like wisdom can flow in. Because just like a clonic, 
when you get a colonic or you do a cleanse, you know, then the good food that you're putting in can actually digest and metabolize. So if we do that mental colonic, then that wisdom from the galactic center, from source, from oneness, whatever you want to call spirit, goddess, can metabolize. We can actually feel it, right? Because you can read all the books you want, do all the praying you want, know all the blah, blah, blah. But when your heart feels it, that's when it's wisdom. Right. And that's what we want. We want to feel the wisdom. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of how the polarities work is like Gemini and Sagittarius and any polarity in your chart and opposition would be the name of the transit when they're in direct polarity. The goal is for them to balance each other. And if one takes up too much energy, then you do that and you're all off. You're either too dogmatic Sagittarius or you're like a dragonfly or a hummingbird that can't manifest anything because you're just flitting about from idea to idea. So, but when they work together, then the Gemini can, it's like the branches of government, how each branch of government can keep the other one in check. Or they're supposed to, at least. Yeah, that <laughs> theory. <laughs> well, that's that again, that shadow side of Sag when uh, when you get um, the those checks and balances that don't check and balance. Yeah. Um, power. When pa maybe now we could move to Pluto because power, the power problem is what messes everything up. Yeah. And that's, I think that's the big thing. And, you know, we're coming from uh, the United States. So the, we've got a big kind of drama that's happening. And for those who are new to astrology, there is a major transit that we're in the throes of. And that is that when uh, the founders of this country uh, signed the Declaration of Independence, they set something into motion. And when they set that in, into motion, uh, we had, they didn't know it at the time because Pluto wasn't, had not been discovered yet, but uh, Pluto was uh, up there in Capricorn uh, at uh, 27 degrees. And so now Pluto is inching back to a return of that. Pluto's got a about 250 year uh, cycle. <clears throat> around the sun. And so it's coming back to that same place in the sky that it was uh, at the kind of founding of the American revolution. Can you believe we're that young? As you say it right now, I'm just like, oh, we're babies. And also, yeah, Pluto return. That's what we call it. And I mean, so, so young. That's yeah. And so messed up. <laughs> so messed up. Yeah, it is amazing that so, what we think of as democracy uh, is only this very short-lived experiment. Um, well, and so yeah, and let's talk Pluto shadow, Pluto Capricorn. Mm -hmm. I mean, starting off this country by decimating the native peoples, mm -hmm. enslaving African American peoples, like starting right off the bat. Right. Yeah. And even into the writing it into the Constitution that uh, enslaved peoples were only valued at about three fifths of a human being, uh, while they're also talking out of the other side of their mouths, uh, saying that all men are created equal. But 
they really yeah, only not, meant a certain number of people that yeah, qualified not, as that. Right. Let's but, also highlight the word men. That yeah, exactly. Women, women being basically cattle to own or, you know what I mean? Like nothing. So, I mean, and we know every, so this is this, but to not, to slow it down, Capricorn yeah. represents the structure, the large structure, like mother earth is Capricorn. It's an earth sign. It's an earth mm -hmm. is feminine. I just want to mention that because I think a lot of people immediately go to masculine with Capricorn and like the CEO and the tie but it's a, it's a feminine sign. It's an earth sign. It's structure. It's, it's the larger structures at hand. Yeah. Uh, and it's ruled by Saturn, which uh, can often stand in as uh, the mother in someone's birth chart, uh, because Saturn, we often talk about Saturn as though it's masculine, but it, it really, when you look at a lot of how the planets were kind of assigned these genders or whatnot back in, uh, you know, two millennia ago, uh, if we follow the pattern, Saturn would be feminine, not uh, masculine. And so, this is a great point to mention that masculine and feminine live in every single one of us, despite the sex of the body or the gender that you identify with. That right. when we say masculine and feminine, we're not talking about a man or a woman or non-binary or a gender fluid nothing like that is that again we're in astrology every and in the occult or in like mentalizing wisdom there's always polarity that nature right. is made up of dark and light masculine and feminine electric and magnetic sagittarius gemini capricorn cancer so feminine has to do the feminine pole within all of us has to do with connection embodiment intuition, creativity, right? And the masculine and, and, and collectivism, you know, all one coming together. Mm -hmm. The masculine pole is more like individualism, logic, reason, distinction, differentiation, and both are needed just like Sag and Gemini. This little bug mm -hmm. came in front of me, don't, which says, don't forget to mention the shadow, right? <laughs> so. And then the shadow of the masculine and the feminine poles, right? So the shadow of the feminine pole, which might have to do with the power of Pluto, like what's going on because of the Capricorn part, uh, would be right. the shadow of the feminine would be like the smother mother. That could be mm -hmm. one version of just like the terrible mother that, that two, there's like two terrible mothers, right? Two, the feminine can either smother it doesn't let you grow on your own. It wants to take away all bad things. Mm -hmm. Or it can be like the terrible feminine that comes in with a tsunami and wipes out a population. Right. The maleficent kind of. The maleficent. Yeah. yeah. And, then, and then the shadow of the masculine would be like disconnecting from connectivity altogether like my way or the highway right the supreme narcissist and then the other end of the shadow masculine feels to me this is coming to me now almost like the doormat the disempowered has no will yeah the lethargic 
Yeah, like because the shadow masculine is not connected to life source at all, it's like deflated, um, impotent. Mm -hmm. So the, the and the so going back to Pluto, Pluto is the planet, the energy uh, that represents power, death, loss, and resurrection, transforming through loss and transforming through the loss of power. Right. Yeah. Right. So through going into the underworld, through the ego losing all of its power and going into the underworld and facing powerlessness, facing that sense of having your power taken away. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that like the whole uh, myth of the descent of Inanna, <clears throat> where yeah. she has to face up to her sister for sacrificing her sister's husband. Uh, and she has to go through those stages of the underworld, where in the end, she's like hung up like a slab of meat on a hook. Uh, yeah, there's many myths like Inanna, the myth of Inanna and like the myth of Persephone to Hades, the hero's journey. There's many myths to look yeah. into. And, and Orpheus and Eurydice. Yeah. Yeah, there's so many myths around it. And all of us know in our own lives to a certain extent what it's like to be abused, mm -hmm. to lose somebody we love to be violated, to get sick and die from it, or, you know, like loss, mm -hmm. loss, abuse, violence, pain. And then when you look at the United States and see it collectively, the decimation of the native people, the enslavement of African-American people, the, the kept objectification of women and the, the uh, semi-enslavement of the poor mm -hmm. or white people, the poor Europeans who are, you know, couldn't never get ahead because of the, the um, economic system. And there's the theories there of how the economic system keeps those everyone except, you know, the 1%. Yeah, and Capricorn, we often think of as the, among those structures, one of those is banking uh, and the economic structures uh, yeah, along you, with the courts right. and the if government. You, if you think about banking, sorry, I want to get it right when you said that. If you think about banking, it's very actually feminine because money is like the life source of society. And if you don't have enough life source, if you don't have enough mother's milk, you struggle and you can become very powerless, right? So that is the Pluto lesson. The Pluto lesson is in your own life, whether you've been abused, you know, and as a therapist and as somebody that's been through my own Pluto journey, I've had my power taken away. I've been through my share and it's only from loss and then transforming myself through that loss that I'm able to be not only a healer but a happy individual and not a surface happiness not like yay and running through the field of flowers but like I have self-love I have strong boundaries I 
my will, I can say I'm going to do things and do them. You know, my will is lined up with my ideas. All of who I am today, professionally and within myself, would not be happening if it wasn't through the loss of power and the transformation through that loss. So that is the light side. That is why. That's the right. reason. Pluto yeah. is spiritual that way. Yeah, and there's another way of uh, thinking about that Persephone myth in particular. Uh, I mean, we often focus on, um, you know, the the abduction part of it, but the other part of it is the narrative with Persephone and the mother, where Persephone has to differentiate from the mother and chooses to spend half the time in the underworld and in uh, and in the above world, where we get this narrative of the seasons. Yeah, which I feel like for anyone who doesn't know that myth, they will understand what we're talking about. So if you haven't, you would want to read the myth of Persephone and Demeter. But ultimately, what Matt is talking about is that only when we go through loss, can we really differentiate from the the smother mother, from (laughs) the mother that doesn't want you to be your own self, that always wants you near, that wants that to protect you from harm and doesn't want you to learn through loss and pain. That's ultimately, you know, what Matt's talking about. And that is ultimately part of that Plutonian lesson. And and I just want to say that I'm not justifying abuse. Right. So this is another, this in the service of our Gemini North node, it's being being able to hold simultaneously, simultaneous thoughts, simultaneous ideas. So there's the idea that abuse is wrong. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. That is undeniably true. And then there's also the thought, the belief, the lens that through loss, we transform and the soul evolves. That's also true. And those two can live side by side and they each have their proper place. You know, when it comes to social justice, we want to say no to abuse. Right. And then when it comes to psychological healing, it's gonna be really healthy to use the loss as a tool for transformation. Right. Yeah, there, there's a whole thing like it's helpful to recognize that and well, not just helpful, it's necessary to recognize that uh, when you've been abused, that the abuse is real and that you did not do it to yourself, um, that you were a victim. But then at a certain point, there's that moving through and then recognizing where it is that your agency and your boundaries and all of these things are to work on building the self up out of that. And and, and ultimately that is the the Pluto, which rules Scorpio lesson of rising from the ashes of the loss of the abuse of the pain, completely transformed that you, that if you had never gone through it, it's like, you know, I'm thinking of Eve eating the apple, another example. Like if you have, if you don't go through the darkness, the the soul cannot evolve. It can't just, the soul is not manifested here to live in a field of flowers its whole life and just have expansion and light and ease and pleasure. 
that life here on earth incarnated is both dark and light and dark and light serve each other. Right. So that's Pluto is that represents that is that energy and that lesson and that Pluto right now we're having the Pluto return in the Mm -hmm. United States. And we've also had what I've been calling the Holy Trinity because it takes forever (laughs) to say it all um, is Pluto, Saturn, Pluto and Saturn for a long time too. Jupiter have all been conjunct, blended in Capricorn. Yeah. And that's a, those are two like really potent uh, planetary cycles. Anything involving the slow moving planets really seems to have a collective uh, impact in a way that the, you know, the Venus transits don't exactly do or Mars transits. Uh, so, you know, when we have uh, like Saturn and Pluto, uh, Saturn, which Pluto, Neptune, Uranus are the, are the, tra- the transpersonal or collective or larger ones. Right? Yeah. Uranus, Neptune, Pluto. Yeah. Cause they're, you, we can't and see Saturn them too, with the naked right? eye. Yeah. Well, it's- Saturn, we can see with the naked eye. It does represent a lot of our personal limitations. So it's kind uh, of a hybrid a little bit. Yeah, it's the gateway to the underworld. Is <laughs> kind of yeah, right? there are many so, of them in, in in astrology, but Saturn does represent some of that. And uh, this is a good example right here. I just want to stop and say, I feel like I'm having these new ahas today with Saturn and Pluto. And you know, Matt and I have been in astrology forever. I mean, forever for years and years and years and years, and yet still having epiphanies and ahas. It's always alive. And right now I'm having this epiphany of Saturn being the gatekeeper. Right. And cause yeah, so Pluto is the big transpersonal big guy that represents transformation through loss. Let's save Uranus for another time. So we stay focused with Pluto. Right. And then Saturn is this gatekeeper to the underworld or in other words, Saturn is here to say, I contain all of your limitations mm-hmm. and I'm going to show them to you and it's up to you to overcome them. Right. Yeah. I mean, there's that, that uh, part of the hero's journey uh, that involves uh, that trial or tribulation that the hero has to go through in order to learn from their limitations, in order to find uh, the pearl of great price, uh, you know, that that inner gold nugget that uh, they had all along, but they didn't know. I mean, it's a trope in a lot of movies and things that, that, uh, that are out there as well. And just that- to bring it to a very ordinary example, because Saturn can, it very much represents the ordinary and you know, in my therapy practice, whenever I'm embodying Saturn and bringing in the Saturn part, we get into, you know, what are you doing for your practices? So mm-hmm. a very just ordinary example of Saturn is like, you might be the type of person that's like, I can't meditate. I can't slow down my mind. It's boring. I don't know how to do it. Right. So that whole narrative would be your limitations, Saturn right. showing you your limitations. And if you're working with Saturn to overcome them, you just do it anyway. So Saturn is do it anyway. You don't have to like it. You don't have to be mm-hmm. good at it, but do it anyway and do it over and over and over and over and over. Repetition, the ordinary, the practice is very much Saturn. So it, you know, we see it in the movies in grand gestures because we're human and we like the drama, you know, and 
but it really is kind of ordinary. You know, it's like, can you meditate every single day for 10 minutes? Right. Can you try to meditate? Can you keep, just keep putting energy and also noticing how your limitations show up as thoughts, as fears, mm-hmm. as doubts, and then, and then working with them. And so Saturn enforces limitation, discipline, practice. It's very like, do the work. And so that imagine that kind of energy blending with Pluto's energy through loss and powerlessness. Yeah, it's it's almost like, you know, there's this uh, volcano of uh in some ways, like almost like desire, like kind of coming up and Saturn is kind of in some ways putting a lid on it. That's for our own protection. Um, like but the then there's that, that, there's that it's not a comfortable feeling, you know, are you to, saying the volcano is the Pluto energy coming up? Like that kind of volcanic powerlessness. Yeah, we're, 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 what are the abuses that have happened to me? What do I want to be free from? And I just want to just like, let it all out. Uh, and then Saturn's there, like keeping a lid on it, so to speak, so that you uh, can do that constructively. Yeah, but- keeping a lid on it, cooling it off, tempering it, saying, Yes, you are right. You have lost your power. You've lost this dear person. You've lost your rights. You have been abused. And now, how can you get into some practices? to move through this in a pragmatic way, which nobody wants to hear. And then we can get into the Mars energy, the Mars part, you know, it's very difficult when your heart is feeling violated Mm -hmm. to cool that off and to say, okay, now how am I going to handle this? How am I going to heal myself? Okay, I need to get on the mat. I need to meditate. I need to re-narrate the story of self so that I come into self-love and rebuild self-love out of nothing. You know, and it's Saturn is asking us to do that. We see it collectively as we're like, how defund the police. We're trying to come up with these structures. And of course, my, my little my little interjection opinion on this is like, let's make sure also like to start within. Right. To start within and that, that, that Saturn, like you're saying next to Pluto is, doesn't want the raw pain to be trying to fix things. The raw pain needs expression and honor, but it's not the fixer part. Right. So Saturn is like neck is blended in saying, go ahead and let it out. You need to let it out. And then you need to find your own practices to get yourself transformed Pluto and balance, like in that Saturn balance of like the equanimous mind. Yeah. It's, it's about set it, learn, also learning how to set your own boundaries. Right. Uh, boundaries. What, what am, you know, what am I going to give form and shape to, uh, how am I going to keep this? How am I going to take control and in a limited sense of that, but still take control and agency, um, in a way that I'm not going to get railroaded, uh, by this energy. 
uh, that can, you know, run you over in a lot of ways. That is a powerful part of Saturn is having that strong boundary and to bring in the ordinary with that. I know for myself, if I don't do my meditation and yoga practice, it's very easy to over empath to lose my boundary. I have to do my practices to keep my boundaries. They don't magically just show up from, you know, abracadabra, like abracadabra, I have a boundary. It's, I mean, for me, it's meditation, it's yoga, it's keeping my blood sugar even, it's being hydrated, it's doing my daily invocations. I mean, I'm very Saturnian, very, very, very Saturnian. So I am a big promoter of Saturn because I've seen it work in my own life. And I also am very Plutonian. So I feel like that this conjunction is such a, you know, heart, heart, it's my heart. And I, I have seen it work in my own life. And I do have a lot of compassion for wanting to just go off the rails with fiery energy of pain. And I have a lot of compassion for that. And then I do see how Saturn is the best friend of Pluto mm-hmm. to really, really help transform that raw pain into true first justice, which is being right with yourself and having those boundaries and finding self-love and having that balance. And then in Capricorn, it just, you know, Saturn's natural home, Saturn is, uh, Capricorn is ruled by, (laughs) I'm going dyslexic. Ruled by Saturn. And so for those who are new to astrology, the, in the ancient practices and even in the modern, um, we tend to think of uh, the houses and signs as being like uh, places. Um, and those places have uh, kinship with them. So like, you know, you have a, a home, whether you rent it or you, you buy it. Um, and that theoretically that you kind of that's your place that you rule. So then the planets are kind of given those uh, those places within the chart. Uh, and so Saturn uh, has the uh, places that are opposite uh, the sun and moon. Um, and that's, it kind of goes along with how a lot of uh, religions uh, have that kind of dynamic of the kind of uh, uh, divinity and the uh, demonic kind of pulling at each other uh, so that there's uh, uh, pure light and kind of then the darkness kind of giving it shape. Um, and so Saturn kind of represents that. Uh, and so it rules uh, the signs that are opposite the sun and moon, which are uh, Uh, Capricorn, which is opposite Cancer, which the moon rules, and uh, uh, Aquarius, which is opposite the uh, opposite Leo, which the sun rules. Um, And then in modern astrology, we often give like a co-rulership to uh, Aquarius uh, of uh, Uranus, which we can get to another time. Uh, And uh, and then Pluto would be given like a co-rulership of uh, Scorpio and Neptune is uh, thought of as like a co-ruler of Pisces. And, and what you resonate with too, you got to listen to that. I mean, as I have a Scorpio sun and Aquarius rising, so I have two uh, major signs that have t- two rulers and 
you know, with Aquarius, my Aquarius rising, I definitely can feel Saturn and Uranus energies. And with Scorpio sun, I can definitely feel the Mars and Pluto. Like I can feel both, but if you only resonate with one, that's okay too, you know? So again, remembering that astrology is, it's a feminine art. It has its masculine element where everything is calculated and dissected and categorized, but it's ultimately rooted in the feminine. It's your felt connection and your lived experience with it. That's so important. So if like, for instance, you're connecting with Saturn completely different of what we're sharing, you, you do have to, tr you want to trust that. Right. But I mean, anyway. These I, I are poetic systems of poetic interpretation. Systems. Yeah. So, so returning back to, um, returning back to Capricorn and Saturn being together. And I see we've got about two minutes left. <laughs> yeah, and maybe maybe it's a good place to uh, take a pause and we can come back. Uh, and I'm sure we'll come back to, uh, uh, especially Jupiter and Saturn as they'll be forming a conjunction in Aquarius. The big uh, transit the, everyone's talking about. Yeah, on the winter solstice which is a big deal because it's want to do a whole podcast just on that. Yeah. That might not be a bad idea. Uh, and then we can pull tarot cards and uh, talk about oh, yeah. uh, Aquarius as a uh, archetype in particular, because we're going to be looking at that for the next probably 30 plus years um, yes. in terms of, because Pluto is about to, I mean, we were talking about the Pluto returning Capricorn today, but Pluto right after that uh, in the next couple of years is going to be moving on uh, into Aquarius where it'll be for about 30 years. So, uh, yeah, I think that would be great. We'll focus on that um, conjunction and on Aquarius and these cards. And as always, we're just going to riff, you know, so whatever we talk about, we talk about but also if there's anything you want us to talk about. Leave yeah. A put it in the comments. Yeah. Yeah. Let yeah. Us know. yeah. And if there's anything, I mean, we've tried to slow down and uh, explain as much as possible, but if we uh, you know, if, if things are still confusing, I mean, these are, it's a pretty uh, it can be a pretty complicated system. Uh, well, and there are multiple systems of astrology. So uh, you know, there's a good chance that, you know, we might cover something that you don't really understand and you want to know more about, let us know. Uh, we'll be more than willing to chat with you in the comments, but also like to do another episode, maybe kind of zeroing in on something, you know, so. Exactly. And this, this episode is very much about the collective, but we can also go into the personal as well. We'll, we'll go wherever we, we are meant to go, wherever we are led. Yeah. So, yeah, and we'll be back uh, every week or two weeks on uh, Mercury's Day, which is Wednesday. Uh, on the Mercury Hour, uh, you can find a new episode at Apple Podcasts or uh, on YouTube. Um, you check out our uh, individual websites, which will be in the uh, in the description. Uh, uh, Michelle's is michellebloom.com. 
And uh, you can find me at intransitastrology.com. And if you need to know how to spell those, you can see those on our uh, uh, little cards here on uh, the Zoom. So, uh, yeah. So All I right. guess it's yeah. until next week or two weeks. <laughs> we'll figure it out. One yeah. or two weeks. All, All right. right. See you next time.